As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Ryan Betancourt, the managing director of Cursive Labs. Michael, what'd you think of this one? This was great. They have such a cool business model and they're they're really trying. We talked to them at a really interesting time where they're still figuring some of it out, but they've got two products out. They seem to be really successful. So we got to learn kind of how a business who has multiple entities under it is, is forming. Um, what did you think? 
Yeah, I liked how they're able to be like brutally honest with the numbers of whether or not something moves on or not, because that's something that a lot of us have a hard time with. You know, you get attached to an idea and you don't want to let go of it or the opposite. You kind of lose focus because you have so many great ideas that if times get hard with one, you kind of abandon ship and jump to the next. So it was really interesting to hear their way of kind of working through that and making those decisions of when to move forward and when to not. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to Max from Y Decision about how many domains he actually has as an account on Hover. So right now, I manage 104 domains on Hover. And, and those are uh, all your own? There's some of them are mine. Some of them are clients' domains that I, that I manage. All in all, 104. Wow. Go to Hover.com and use the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS to get 10% off your domain purchase today. HostGator is the easiest way to get your business up and running fast. I talked to their marketing coordinator, Kyler, about the history of their mascot, Snappy. He drew, I think, one of the original ones, but now we have a designer who made it prettier. I think we've gone through three, four, maybe five iterations of Snappy from a really husky snappy to a nice slender hey what's up i'm i'm a cool alligator snap go to hostgator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30 percent off today you've heard me rave about CodeShip before it's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable recently they shipped an incredible new feature it's called parallel ci and it allows for faster testing than ever before Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. I've been working on startups for a number of years. First part of my career, I worked on consumer packaged goods and uh, ended up getting recruited to Chicago to run a, a, a CPG company there. That company got bought, and as part of that, uh, a bunch of big software systems got matched together, and I was asked to help uh, direct those efforts. And at that point, realized that technology had to be better than the software packages that we were trying to match together and spending millions of dollars on. So um, got into technology, actually, out of that, went to business school, but then got into technology and ended up in San Diego uh, because I've been working closely, um, helping a friend of mine grow his digital agency, just consulting with him a little bit, uh, who I know you guys have talked to here, Chuck Longenecker at Digital Telepathy. And he and I worked at DT. Uh, I, as president of that, he is, is the founder and CEO. And then he and I uh, started a lab out of that to launch other companies. Um, after DT was really kind of rolling and taking off. It just wasn't the time for for the lab. So I was recruited over to join the founding team of a company that raised the seed round, uh, building a kid's internet browser called Kazooie, and went over there, spent uh, a little over four years there. Um, we grew that to be an internet browser used by millions of kids um, so across the world. So it's a browser that kids would download. And then we had aggregated over 10 million pieces of content that was all algorithmically linked together. And we say um, it may, it still does, it makes the internet big, fun, and safe for kids. And 
we sold that to Saban Brands, um, owners of Power Rangers and Paul Frank and some other stuff. And then I actually went back in after that sale and helped sell it to LeapFrog. So it now powers all of LeapFrog's browsing experiences on their devices. During that time that I was at Kazooie with the blessing of the board, also started uh, another company, uh, actually a couple other companies, thankfully an e-commerce company that ended up doing fairly well and was acquired and then an app called Blurtopia that still exists that got early traction but haven't been able to get it sort of over the over the hump. So we about a year ago I started talking to a friend and um, co-advisor to some companies in San Diego and we decided to throw our lots in together to create a model um, that isn't venture capital but kind of looks like it to the outside world and isn't a individual Um, startup, but kind of looks like it to the outside world. Um, So we take pieces of the accelerator model, pieces of the incubator model, um, and pieces of the venture capital model and uh, invest solely in our own ideas and and launch those. And I can go more into that when we get to that that point in the conversation. That's Cursive Labs, right? That's Cursive Labs, correct. Yeah. So how do you decide on what projects to work on? Yeah, it's interesting. So like I said, we uh, we are 100% focused on our own ideas. And we've actually created Cursive to have three very distinct phases. Phase one is um, ideation. Phase two is incubation. And phase three is growth. So in the, in the ideation phase, we have what are called brewvations, um, which are exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we get together over beers, lots of great companies happen over napkins and beers. Um, So we figured we would kind of organize that. Uh, And we come up with a bunch of ideas that we think are meaningful in the market. We put those into an online sort of form creator that we have. And we do that on an ongoing basis. And then a a couple times a month, we sit down and we go through ideas. As we go through ideas, uh, each person in the company kind of pitches the idea, the thought, what the market is, etc., and then we filter those ideas based on a series of things. So it has to be a good idea in the market, meaning there has to be a growing market, there has to be a gap in the market, there has to be some level of pain point in the market, but it also has to be something that fits for us. So we have a very distinct model in that after we take an idea, we go through incubation and we have to be able to get real revenue and prove the model in four to six months. So the ideas that we are sort of calling and, and dissecting have to have to not only be good in the marketplace, but they have to fit our model and our talent. And so we have a pretty significant filter process that we go through. Is it a good market? Is it growing? Is there opportunity in the market? Is there a want and need that's compelling enough for us to create a product for it, et cetera? And then for us, is it can we prove it within four to six months? Um, are there two very specific metrics that we can assign to it um, to sort of organize our um, measurement of the idea. Can we get to revenue early? Does it use the talents of our team? Can we recycle the ideas and the technology from it with other ideas, et cetera? Well, I'd love to kind of walk through one of yours, um, Spoutable. Um, Because, I mean, to me, the ad space is extremely saturated. There's so many ad companies. It's one of the largest internet markets. So where, what hole did you guys see and how did you test that, that you could fill it? Sure. So we started Spout. So Spoutable sort of passion and mission is to um, be discovery on exit of a website 
So we actually started the, the premise and the excitement of it initially was, and the kernel of the idea was, I'm a big music fan, and I was leaving one of my favorite music blogs. And as I was doing so, I, I, I thought, God, it would be really cool if at the exit of this music blog, I get a recommendation of other music blogs to check out, right? I'm already leaving, so I'm already a, I'm already a loyal visitor to this music blog. So if I could have them recommend others, I'm already leaving. So it's giving me something of value as I leave. So kind of the passion of it started as more being stumbled upon on exit of a website than being an ad tech company. Um, as we've jumped into it though, we've definitely become an ad tech company. Uh, okay. <laughs> and what we've realized is for publishers that inject this in their site, they have so many options of ways to monetize their site and they're spending a lot of time and energy trying to test new ad tech, trying to optimize, seeing what their you know effective CPMs are, seeing how it impacts their experience and et cetera. But we took a very different approach in that folks are leaving when they see our unit. Um, so we obviously have had to spend a lot of time building that good technology to detect that people are leaving. But for us, the point that somebody's leaving a website actually is really compelling, right? Because for a visitor to a website, they're really interested in figuring out where to go next. For a publisher that is le- that is losing that that visitor, at least for that session, to go somewhere else, they want to add value, but they also would like to make money um, from that user. And then from an advertiser, the point that you're most likely to engage a visitor is actually when they're done with the last piece of content or website that they were interacting with, when they're looking for something new to go to. So that's sort of the equation that we found. And really, we found it pretty interesting and compelling and easy on the publisher side because this is new revenue and on the advertiser side, pretty easy. And thankfully, given our high click-through rates and really strong product um, skills within the team, we found really good click-through rates and it really is adding value for, for visitors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. And how long did it take to, to kind of bring it to market and, and test that assumption? So everything that we do within Cursive, we start in the beginning and say, what are the two metrics that we have to figure out that when multiplied together at scale is a business? Um, so the first thing we do is identify those two metrics. So the first sort of phase took us about three weeks-ish to kind of hash out the idea, figure out the metrics that we kind of needed to figure out sort of what the product roadmap is to some kind of MVP that we could get our data. Um, so that took about three weeks. It took us about another three to four weeks to kind of piece all the technology together that we needed to build. We need to build an algorithm to detect exit. We need to build a mechanism of a unit, right? And, and we need to build the optimization layers behind that so we could test different iterations of that unit, et cetera. So that took, you know, another three to four weeks. So we're about two months in when we 
put this on um, websites and test. So we spent one month in testing this with uh, just friendly websites that we know that put it on just to see, was it interesting? Did it impact their, any of their metrics in a negative way? Um, we were driving just to some links that we developed. Um, so that was another month. And then once all those numbers looked good and we optimized that, we went to market. And thankfully, fairly quickly, we got you know some really strong publishers and some great publishers to work closely with. Um, and then also got some really great advertisers on the other side. And that's, you know, the first sort of couple months, it became a, a business with real revenue and real publishers and real advertisers. Um, in a specific market, we started in travel, but now we've gone outside of travel. We're now in money and finance. Um, we're now in health and fitness and we're launching a couple others soon. With your model, this isn't obviously your only product that you're working on. You probably have several in R&D. You have Bumblecast that's out in the market. How do you scale into different marketplaces with Spoutable with a seven-person team? So thankfully, we're eight people now. Okay. (laughs) So the way that we have structured the team, we kind of handpicked our team to have the best folks in product and technology and business to be able to simultaneously do two businesses. So very strong technical chops or CTO is the former CTO of, of active network, which went public and was acquired for north of a billion dollars. Um, we have a really incredible machine learning person. We have an incredible product like full stack guy that has really strong skills and mobile and, and front end, some really good product folks, et cetera. So we structure it that we have four on one and now four on the other. And again, our goal, you know, I give this talk to, to entrepreneurs regularly, which is, do you have a business that you're running or do you have an experiment that you're running? And my belief is until you really have a sustainable profit stream that pays your bills, you're running an experiment, right? Mm. So our goal with our team is really to get ourselves to, through that experiment, prove those metrics and then decide whether we want to move that into growth. So whether we want to move that company into growth at the point that we move it into growth, then we hire an addition, additional folks into the team. So okay. you said that we have seven people. The reason why I say we're excited to have eight is we actually hired our first venture specific person just last week to focus hundred percent of their time on spoutable. So uh, how we organize ourselves is, the Spoutable team spends about 80% of their time on Spoutable and about 20% of their time being experts and sounding boards and outside sort of advisory to Bumblecast, which is our, our other idea. And then the team on Bumblecast spends 80% of their time on Bumblecast and 20% of their time sort of advising and, and throwing in their expertise for Spoutable. Uh, once we get it into the growth phase, then we add additional folks and additional capital. So the money that we raised, we, we earmarked a certain amount of money from our seed round of capital that we raised to put into those ventures once they enter the growth phase. Kind of a two-part question here. Is your goal to ultimately whittle down all of your ideas to one? And if so, is there a competition between people working on different products? Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible question because... Um, we don't know, right? I mean, like I said, like I said, when I talk to other people, we're running an experiment. We're not really running a business yet. And that experiment is, we believe very strongly that cursive is 
a better way to build ventures. Um, happy to go into that and why we think that, but, but we think that that's the experiment that we're running with, with cursive. What that means is that the goal is to have a couple of these, you know, a couple few of these ideas come out the back, back end of sort of this, um, factory into, uh, the growth phase and us to have, a handful of these businesses, right? Um, the reality is we don't know yet. And it could be that we find a big flyer out of this and it's a different way to find a big flyer. We think and early sort of signs are that we'll be able to have a few companies come out of this every couple of years that go into the growth phase and are able to scale. Um, to your question about competition, yes, absolutely. It's healthy competition. It's we assign those metrics like we talked about and we have our venture reporting every day in which we look at look at how each is succeeding. And yeah, of course, I mean, everybody's competitive. So we're looking at it competitively, but it's very um, uh, positive and light in the competition because really the only competition is between that idea and the metrics that we're trying to measure. That said, I mean, obviously... Right. Like you're going to be competitive to make sure that that venture goes ahead. But our goal is not to prove how smart we are or how well we execute with any one idea. Our goal is to, to build a system in which we can tease out the best ideas. So for us, it's just as good if we kill an idea after six months than if we put it into growth because it means that the models worked. Right. So our goal is to create multiple companies. And I should mention that as we create those companies and as those companies get to a level of maturity and if and when the, one of those companies is acquired, we're very prescriptive in how the dollars flow back in. So we're trying to create an evergreen way to build ventures that we don't need to go raise additional capital at the Cursive Labs level. Instead, the dollars that come through exits or liquidity events flow back in and that gives us a, sh a chance to go after more ideas again. Can you talk a little bit more about that actually? Um, say one of one of these two makes it and the other one stops short of, you know, that growth phase. Um, would you yeah. kind of keep the pace the same and just keep churning them through and bring the team that sold their product kind of back around to start a new idea fresh or how would that work? Our team has been part of a number of other startups um, and ventures, thankfully, some of them successful. And the biggest sort of thing that keeps us up at night is how you transition from the, the team here uh, that, that has created the cursive team that sort of created this venture, that transition to two phases, one, the phase into growth. That has to be a really smart and delicate transition because as you move into growth, you need to find people um, who view that venture as their baby, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the startup model, right? People get so passionate and attracted and invest so much time and energy in their venture that you have to find folks that you bring in that are going to, they're really going to take hold of this thing. That's the, that's the first piece. And then the second piece is as those acquisitions happen, assuming they happen, we're confident that they will, those folks obviously part of those folks are going to need to go to that acquiring entity, right? So our goal is for cursive to do its job of getting these businesses into growth and doing a good job of transitioning into that growth phase with leadership 
and in that leadership um, have a significant stake and have feel that, that that venture's their baby. And when there's an acquisition, that that team that we bring in really to the growth phase goes with that acquisition and the money flows back in. And, you know, hopefully those folks that are brought in during the growth phase do really well with the acquiring company, but then also when the time is right, we bring them back in to um, start the next thing, right? And that's, we're really trying to create an evergreen model that's becoming less unique, I would say. There are other models out there that are similar to what we're doing, but being in San Diego, we're trying to create this evergreen model that that we can create ventures, um, we can inspire new leaders to create new businesses within Cursive and outside of Cursive. Um, to us, this is a model both to create ventures that uh, are meaningful to us and meaningful to our investors, but also to create ventures in a model that helps San Diego get to the next point of um, its startup ecosystem and its success as a startup community. What would you say the biggest challenges in doing it like this? I mean, you have a lot of experience, obviously, with the previous companies that you've run. And um, I know there's some variety there, but this is so different from those models. Um, what what challenges you the most? It's focus, right? I mean, it's the challenge is a lot of businesses when they start, there's a lot of sort of bobbing and weaving and trying to figure out where the real market is and all of that. For us, it really requires that we use our instinct and our experience in knowing when you get a business to a certain point, you know, every business runs into massive challenges, right? Um, you know, certainly the, the, the trough of sorrows, which you may or may not know, but trough of sorrows is this sort of point that every company comes to in which you know, nothing seems to quite, quite be working and the market doesn't seem to be reacting and it's really hard to get um, people's attention. And it, you know, it's, it seems like you just are hitting your, hitting your head against the wall and every business ever created goes through that, right? It's whether you come out the other side and when you get to that trough of sorrows, some people quit, um, some people will pivot, a small pivot or some people will, you know, just pivot large and come up with a whole nother idea. And, and for us, that's the critical point in which we, you know, the easy thing for us to do is say, oh, there's this other idea out there, right? And, and other ideas always seem better because you don't know the warts of it yet, right? But for us, it's really trusting our instinct to know when we get there, is it worth kind of driving through that wall and getting on the other side of it? Or is it the point that we kind of kill it? Um, so that's our biggest challenge, our biggest way that we overcome that. We're incredibly... I've never been part of a company in, in, in my life that is more about looking at the numbers and being honest with ourselves, right? I mean, when you raise, when you raise money around one venture, really, you really raise money around um, trying to prove that idea. So six months or a year in, you're trying to look for all the positive metrics that you, know, you want to grab onto and your investors want to grab onto and partners want to grab onto to show that there's something here. For us, the way that we sort of overcome our biggest challenge, which is focus, and it's too easy to go into the next idea, is that, you know, our goal really is to be 100% honest with, with, is there something here or is there not? And as early as possible to look at our metrics and understand if there's something in this market. Um, so I've never been part of a venture that's more honest internally, like more honest with the metrics, looking at the warts and, and looking at those warts as much as... Um, you know, any of the, any of the positive metrics, 
and really challenging ourselves of like, is there really something here? Like let's cut through the BS of, you know, the promotional um, instinct that so many startups have and the, and the desire to look at all the positive metrics that so many startups have. We really have to be really very, very honest with ourselves. You know, we're trying to create this model of creating ventures and sort of the specifics around creating ventures. And so much of that is sort of inspired by, you know, lean startup movement and, the fact that it is cheaper and faster to, to prove ideas. One of the things I'd point out within that is there are a number of other venture studios that are popping up. And what does that, you know, what does that mean for the market? Is there opportunity there? Do you go, you know, if it is something like a venture studio, something you find interesting, there are venture studios that are really broad in their, in their outlook. There are venture studios that are very, specific in their outlook. So for example, you know, there's, there's Betaworks in New York, which is doing amazing things in, in a fairly broad way. I mean, they're, they're tackling a number of different business challenges. They're very good product people. They've built some great ventures already. They're behind Bitly. They're investors in Twitter. They, um, they built Dots, which is getting quite a bit of drag traction. They have some really good businesses. There's science in LA, which is doing it more specifically in the realm of commerce. So they're they're kind of focusing on a specific area. There's Expa, Uber, Garrett, the the Uber and Stumble Upon guy that's doing a venture studio. Yet to be determined, sort of the the focus or if it's going to be broad. And then there are a lots there there are lots of smaller studios working on specific areas, right? Whether it be ad tech or whether it be you know, web products for websites or, or other things. And, you know, for us, we look at those as inspiration and we look at those as learning and we hope to create a model that for us, the good thing is we don't really have a lot of competition in terms of the venture studio model because it's the individual ventures that have the competition, right? Not the studio model. So, so it definitely is something that if folks listening are interested in, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of different takes on the venture studio model um, worth looking at um, either as a venture backed studio model or more of something just that you want to do on your own more specifically with some ideas that you have to bootstrap, right? Because the level of honesty that you get um, the level of discipline and focus you get when you're trying to prove something in four to six months if there's something there, great, add more to it. If there's not, kill it. It's a really great discipline, I think, for, for starting a company. The worst thing that can happen is you start a company and you get five years in, and at that point you realize there's nothing there, right? That's the worst thing that can happen. Um, so, yeah, that would, be, that would be the thing that I would think you know, might be interesting for folks is to, is to kind of get their head around what, what are these venture studios doing and is it interesting and compelling and what are their thoughts on it? So as a studio, what is kind of your goal in terms of growth? And you say you want this evergreen model, but what does that look like? Um, because it sounds like one of your biggest assets is just this core founding team you have and the ability of everyone to share this um, vision and be honest about the numbers and all that. Do you think that would be yeah. sustainable if your team doubled or tripled um, and you had you know, that many more people working on the early, early phases where you have to be kind of brutal with those numbers? I think so. I mean, obviously, it's an experiment and yet to be determined. We, we're pretty confident in that. We're pretty confident, 
you know, a typical startup model, come up with an idea, you get some level of traction before you raise capital or you go raise capital. Um, obviously plenty of incredible companies that are bootstrapped, but within a venture back model, you go out, you raise the capital. Once you get to a, to the next stage, you go raise more capital, more capital, more capital. And for us, we've been part of those, right? I mean, we've raised a lot of capital for companies in the past. And at a, at a certain point, obviously, if you're building a unicorn, a billion dollar plus company, you need to continue to raise all that capital. But at a certain point, you really want to be honest and, and see if there's something there. If there's something there, obviously bring more capital into it, but as quickly as you can, make it a sustainable profit, high growth venture. For us, what that means is we think it's a very, very, very hard game to bet on um, unicorns, right? Billion dollar outcomes. We think obviously it's becoming more common, um, but for us building meaningful companies that have real revenue streams and that we know how to execute on and we know how to grow and scale gives us more ability to have control over our ability to realize returns for our investors and for ourselves. And as we do that, we're very prescribed in the way that we pull some of that money back into the lab, into cursive, and some of that money back into the shareholders and, and literally to, you know, to speak a little bit to that. I mean, dollars flow back in um, to shareholders so they get their return, but also dollars flow back into cursive. And the reason why we do that is we actually don't want further, further dilution um, at cursive. We want to be able to create a mechanism where we can continue to create ventures, where we can grow that team at Cursive. I think to your question, can that still be doable when it when the company grows? I think it can it can still be done when the company grows three four threefold or fourfold. When Cursive Labs, you know, gets to a point, I don't think I don't think you can do that at the Cursive Labs level when you have hundreds and hundreds of people. I think you can do that with a smaller team getting into growth and then have the individual ventures have hundreds of people that can scale these things to rather large size. But I think you raise a good point, which is really our values. We have an incredible team that can isolate, identify and test ideas and get them to the growth phase. And then we're, our metal is really going to be tested in our ability to attract incredible talent that can take it from growth to maturity and acquisition, flow that money back in and then grow the team in cursive um, to a certain size in which we realize we, we can't, we can't be as objective or we can't be as focused on ideation. At that point, we'll stop growing cursive and grow the ventures more. Right? Awesome. This has been really, really interesting. Tell us where we can keep up with Cursive Labs online and uh, Spoutable and Bumble. Yeah, so um, we've been so heads down that we'll, we're just now starting to kind of get more word out. We, we've been isolated in our office space, um, working around the clock. But you can at cursivelabs.com. Um, you can see our site. Uh, we update that quite regularly. There's a blog there. You can follow us. Uh, we haven't fully pushed into social yet. We'll be doing that soon. But Cursive Labs is the best place to go. And on CursiveLabs.com, you'll see the ventures that we're currently working on. Uh, anything that's on there is live. So we have Bumblecast and Spoutable links there. And certainly go to Bumblecast.com or Spoutable.com to keep updated on those ventures as well. But for us, we're trying to learn from the market. So, you know, the best thing is is just reach out to us. Um, 
you know, we, we're trying to learn the model. We're trying to learn about Spoutable and Bumblecast. And the biggest benefit we've had so far is everybody that we're working with at Spoutable and everybody we're working with at Bumblecast has been incredibly open to give us feedback and give us thoughts and give us um, help, et cetera. And we're trying to build this thing to have a lot of people involved. So the best I would say is follow us at cursivelabs.com, but then also reach out and happy to uh, share ideas and thoughts and get challenged on what we're building. Awesome. Thanks so much for yeah, coming on, Ryan. Of course. Thank you guys for what you do and um, inspiring folks to to give a, give a shot to whatever their, their passions and what they believe is something that will make the world a better place. So thank you guys. Looking for more entrepreneurial content? Check out this week's App Masters, where Steve talks to Ben Lachman and Joshua Kay about how to build an app that fulfills a need, not a want. You know, so we, we just put in a fantastic amount of work and got it all ready and got it into review pre, you know, pre-launch. And it was there on day one and it just didn't do that well. <laughs> um, and I just remember like, it was like, I, I, my expectations were so high and the amount of work was so large and we got it all done and then it just didn't pan out. And boy, it was, it was like two months of me just being, not wanting to like write a line of code or work on anything. I, I was just super depressed and was not, was, you know, like it was like, it was this, this baby that I had, you know, like built um, with the team and, and just hadn't, hadn't hit the hearts of customers. Go to appmasters.co or search appmasters and iTunes today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocket Ship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. River Come to you river Wash my soul I will come to you river Wash my soul I will come to you river Wash my soul again Carry away my old leaves Let me baptize my soul With the help of your waters Sink my pains and complaints Let the river take them River drown them My ego and my blame Let me baptize my soul With the help of your waters Those on me's so ashamed Let the river take them River drown them Come to your river I will come to your river I will come to your river Come to your river Wash my soul I will come to your river Wash my soul I will come to your river Wash my soul again